You know, one of the, one of the, uh, one of the, I don't know if it's a joy, but one of the, what is it, a joy, responsibility, privilege, of 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 being a part of the body of Christ, about the with the community of faith, the church, is that God speaks to us. And as a result of God speaking to us, we want to go in the direction where God is telling for us to go. Are you with me? And it's so important for us to do that. So this morning is just a small kind of blurb in the direction of what we feel as an eldership, as a leadership, what God is saying to us as a people. It's amazing, isn't it? I went to the barber this week, for those of you who can't tell. I love these guys. Shut up, Paul. And uh, um, anyway, these are three brothers from Baghdad. And um, they, and so I've gone to this guy for a long time to cut my hair. And uh, anyway, we, I always talk to him about God. And he, and he always talks about his mom immediately. His mom because his mom's obviously the anchor of the family. The, f- the father died in Baghdad when they were young boys, and the mom brought the three brothers to Canada, and now they're barbers, all three of them in the same barbershop, on the corner of Thompson and... Thompson and uh, Derry. Not Sal's. Not Sal's barbershop, the one next to it. It's like... Uh, yeah, there's like no one there. <laughs> except, except me. That's why. <laughs> I'm the living adver- advertisement for... Joke, joke. Sorry, sorry. Anyway, so... Martin, he's, they're hilarious. They are the funniest guys. I mean, they're just wonderful. But I said to him, Marty, so what do you, what, what's God been saying to you lately? He says, I don't understand. I'm like, what do you mean you don't understand? God speaks to you in your language. He says, no, he doesn't. God speaks in Latin. I'm like, no, he doesn't. He speaks in your language. No, he says, no, he doesn't. No. Every, every day I go to church with my mom and she takes her money and she's so broke. She's so poor. And she takes her money and she gives it to the priest and the priest says, hum, 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 hum. and I just, I want to just fall on the floor when this guy's impersonating. <laughs> it wasn't me. The Latin. The Latin. And he says, and he said to me straight up, I cannot understand God. I don't hear his voice because I don't understand Latin and God speaks Latin and that's that. God speaks Latin. And I'm like, Marty, listen to me, dude. Put the clippers down. God speaks to you. So he's like, well, what is he saying to me? (laughs) He's such a comical guy. I said, I don't know. He says a lot of things to you. You just have to listen. And by the time I left, that uh, that cut, it took like three minutes. No jokes, honestly. (laughs) I don't understand God. Okay, bye. I said to him, Martin, let me just tell you what I know God says to you right now. God is saying to you right now. He says, no, this is you saying to me. I'm like, no, this is God saying to you through me. God says to you, Martin, I knew you when you were in your mother's womb in Baghdad and the bombs were falling all around you. I knew you. And obviously, his heart melts. And he cries. And his older brother who tries to be super macho kind of just stands up and walks out the <laughs> room. At the barbershop. And I want to tell you guys, listen to this. This is huge. You know that there are millions, maybe even a billion. How many people on the planet? 370 million. 100 million. Anyway. 
Yes, yeah, so sorry, sorry. Seven, something billion. Okay, whatever. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people who does not know that Jesus speaks to us like Sarah sang the song this morning. That Jesus speaks to you in your language. That Jesus knows your name. That Jesus, everything about him is awesome. He's not the one who ties us up in religious systems. He's the one who breathes life into us. Jesus speaks. And when we hear what he says, because of, our, because of this one thing, because of our relationship with him, automatically it brings, like in any healthy relationship, a kind of a responsibility to respond to what has been said. True? True. And so what I'm going to speak about for the next 10 minutes is basically just that. It's in response to what I feel the Lord is saying to us. Okay. We are the body. True? If you look at the body, the hand cannot say to the eye, I don't need you, need you uh, because without the eye, the hand cannot see where the tap is to put the water underneath you. The mouth cannot say to the ear, I don't need you. The foot cannot say to the, to the heart, I don't need you. The, the body, for it for, to function properly, it has to be, um, in a sense, kind of dependent on the members thereof. So if the bell doesn't work, there's a problem. If the heart doesn't work, there's a problem. If the, how many of you have ever broken a finger? Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. What are you guys doing? It's like, yeah. If the fingers hurt in any way, it feels like your whole body sometimes hurt. It's like weird. It's like, wow, my whole body, you're limping. Why are you limping? My fingers sore. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's how God designed the body. Similarly, with the church, because Jesus says in Ephesians very clearly that we are, in fact, His body, which means that He is now seated with God in heaven, and we are the expression of the, the body of Jesus Christ. He is the head of this body, if you can visualize it, and we are literally the body, the members of that body that functions together. So if any one of those members don't function, there will be a problem with the body. True? Ephesians 4 verse 4 says this, one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, because he's a part of your body, for we are all members of this one body. Verse 29, verse 5, chapter 5. After all, no one ever hates his own body, but he feeds it and cares for his body, just as Christ does for the church. Now, jumping from Ephesians to Nehemiah. I don't know if you're familiar with the book of Nehemiah, but it speaks, it's in some, a big part of the book of Nehemiah is the restoration of the walls of Jerusalem. So they're building the walls that surround the city. So it is a, if you could see it as a beautiful picture of, of, of really the body. Okay? They're really the body. It has many gates, and every gate has a huge significance, and it's beautiful to actually study it, just the ancient gates of Jerusalem. You can Google it. There's tons of stuff about it. And it's amazing how prophetically and historically all these gates have huge significance. But today I want to speak about the most insignificant gate, but simultaneously the most important gate of the ancient city of Jerusalem. And it was called the Dung Gate. Yes? Dung. The same dung that Paul refers to in Philippians 3 as dung. It's the word poop. Okay? It's the poop gate. And so, it is the smallest gate, but one of the most important. It was through the dung gate that Jerusalem got rid of all its rubbish, all its waste, and all its poop. 
went through the dung gate. And the important thing about the dung gate is not as much the, the poop, but the purpose of the gate. And so it faced south, and there's all kinds of cool, significant things, which I'm not going to go into about the dung gate. But face south, and everybody would carry all this stuff out, out of the dung gate, and there it would be burnt. It would constantly be burning. There would always be a terrible, terrible smell outside the dung gate, south to this valley. It was there at this dung gate. Anyway, now there are lots of significant things about it, uh, about this dung gate. So the real issue with the dung gate is, before I go there, the reason why I started by asking you to turn to the person next to you and say that you're extraordinary is because we were all shaped and formed by, in some way by our culture, by our upbringing, and as a result by the, the, the world, the, the, the social system that we surround ourselves with. And, and, and because of that, we can talk about that for a long time, which I'm not going to do, but there are very specific, significant things that I've spoken about a little bit in, in the last three times that I've spoken. Like, some people grew up in a particular culture liking particular food. Have you ever eaten brosh? What's, how do you say that, Debs? Borsch? Borsch? It's, uh, it's uh, beetroot, right? Beetroot soup. It's, uh, who likes borsch? Who's ever had it? Okay, Yeah. Okay, yeah, so like about a third of you have had it. Um, who, who, who likes it? Okay, I liked it. I'd never eaten it. It tastes, it tastes particular. It is, it is very particular to the, uh, I think, Ukrainian culture, is this beetroot soup. It's very particular. If you go to, uh, I have a friend who's just, uh, we prayed with him on Tuesday, just come back from Scotland. I asked him if he had some haggis. Haggis is basically blood that is emulsified inside a tube of an intestine of an animal, and you eat it like sausage, but it's basically blood, pure, pure blood. And it is so delicious. Now, other people go, are you crazy? And everybody can think, think now of your nationality, of a delicacy in your nationality. Now, there are cultural conditions like that as well. Okay? There are all kinds of amazing things, like some guys would, would eat the most obscure things. Because we've been conditioned by our culture. And same, sociologically, you've been conditioned by the world that you grew up in. To think of yourself in a certain way. I want to suggest to you this morning, just something to spark something in your thinking, in your brain, that you were actually created from another place, from another world. And if, to, be, to be very specific, you know where I'm going. From a heavenly world, from a heavenly realm. And so when we look at ourselves from that place, we are already overcomers. We are victorious. We are those who walk free from the, from the onslaughts of our social system that we live in. And there are many good things about our social system, but there are definitely many fallen realities of the world that we live in. And if we do not see that world first, we will never be able to enter that world. And one of the cultural conditions of our world is that we can eat and eat and eat and eat and never stop eating. Okay, I'm not talking about nutrition today necessarily, but in this case I'm talking about food. Emotionally, we've been sold this reality that we can harbor all kinds of things in our spiritual intestine, intestine without ever seeing the significance of the dung gate. For the last seven years, we've gone to Mexico. You can ask everybody on the Mexican team 
Every every year we go on the last night we 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 have a little session together. What was your worst thing? What was your best thing? Say there were say there were 30 of us on the team. 29 of the 30 people's worst things were the porter parties. <laughs> porter parties. The porter parties. Okay, I'm just going to get personal for a, level, for a minute here because I believe that you're going to remember stuff like this. Okay, I'm not gross. I'm just personal right here. I never struggle with that kind of stuff. Okay? In Mexico, I don't know what my body does. But for the first three days, I shut down. Alice too. <laughs> Why? Why? I, I, I eat maybe a slightly different beans. And... Uh, <laughs> But my body shuts down. Why? Because my, my mind is shut down. I have a ment- I've developed this mental block against the porter potty, which represents the dung gate. I'm telling you guys, you've got to get this. This is huge. Because if we, as the church of God, who are from another place, that's really what holiness means. It's from another place. We live as if we are there. We, we call, that's how we can call the things that are not as though they were, because we've seen them in another place. That's what we mean when we say we want to see heaven come to this earth. It's not some, some, some thing that we can just uh, maintain among us here. It's a reality that breaks out and is lived out everywhere we go. Because we have a healthy, functioning, spiritual system. The body is functioning. So the world that we live in has made us, to an extent, who we are and what we are. It's given us taste for certain things. Taste buds. Preferences for things. Art. Music. How many of you like, just quickly, quick survey. Who likes abstract art? Hands up. Thank you. Who likes landscape art? Okay. Who likes fine art, like sketches and drawings, and you can see the detail? Who likes photography? It's amazing. Amazing. Every, these are different hands going up. Some, pe- some people's hands go up all the time, which is great, because they're kind of artistic. But, but some people like abstract art. I, I, cannot, I cannot relate to abstract art, personally. But I like fine art. I love architecture. Like when Belinda did the drawings for the church and stuff like that, I knew exactly what was going on, but I couldn't stop looking at them. I just love the abstract, uh, no, the, 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 the linear, the, the architectural stuff. I like three-dimensional stuff. I love all that. And we're all different. And we're different. And similarly in our spiritual makeup. We're different. But one thing. It's the same with all of us. If we don't use the dung gate, we will eventually get into trouble. And this is the biggest dilemma that we live in. We live in a world, a social system, that, have, that we believe. We believe what it says. We believe that we can, in, we can numb the pain of unforgiveness by, by maybe drinking a bit too much. We can numb the pain of anger or fear by just entertaining ourselves a bit too in another area. We can numb all these areas. We can numb them. We can self-medicate. There's all kinds of ways and systems created within our social system that allow us never to use the dung gate, never to get rid of those things. Remember, the gate's not as important as the purpose of the gate. So the deadliest thing is that we've developed a social standing of getting more and more and more, and sometimes we've lost the ability to get rid of some of the things that we need to get rid of. Mike Breen speaks in his book about discipleship, about the rhythms of life, eating well, exercising, resting. And some of our rhythms are so way, way off, 
Anyway, that's, that's not part of the sermon. So we get rid, and, and so eating, exercising, resting, and getting rid of what we eat, spiritually or emotionally, or emotionally. Let me ask you the question: How is that looking for you? How is that looking for us? Remember what I said in the beginning. We feel this is what God is saying to us as a community. So when we approach these times together, they are amazing. But this is not what church is all about. Church is 99.99% of what happens when we go out of here as a result of what has happened here partially. But mainly because of your, your relationship with Jesus. Church happens because you are the church. What was I saying? So how is that looking for you, for us? Is our rhythm disturbed? Is our rhythm dysfunctional? Do we believe the system of the world that says we can, we can just hold on to stuff forever and ever and our intestine will handle it, no problem? Or will we just pop another painkiller, metaphorically, or whatever the case is? And the danger of this is that we become totally dysfunctional. And it's just a matter of time before the, the, the garbage is piled up so high and the sidewalks that we can no longer see each other. And we call these the walls of hostility, but basically they, they are our inability because of a system that we've grown up in to get rid of the things that, need to, that we need to get rid of. Society has completely duped us into believing that we can just keep living like this, emotionally constipated, self-medicated, but rapidly dying. Not so for the church. Amen? Say amen. Not so for the church, right? Right, not so for the church. Not so for us. We're from a different world. We've seen a different thing. We have a Savior who came, reconciled us to the Father by paying the penalty for that. That was the dung game. Number two, recycling. Recycling is so good. We were downtown last week. There were big campaigns now about don't put your apple core inside the recycling thing. Recycling is for paper and those kind of things that are, that are able to be recycled. Food is for food and those things must be thrown away. And because we live in a wonderful society where we're good at recycling, we think that we can recycle things that we should be throwing away. So we recycle fear. We recycle hate. We recycle unforgiveness. We recycle anxiety when we should be throwing those things away and recycling other things. I don't like this microphone at all. It's like an echo. We recycle disappointment. So let me read you this. It's true. Philippians chapter 3. It's true that I once re re replied, relied on, on all that I had become. It's true that I once relied on all that I'd become. I had a reason to boast and to impress people with my accomplishments more than others. For my pedigree was impeccable. I was born a true Hebrew in the heritage of Israel as a son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised eight days after my birth and I was raised in the strict traditions of Orthodox Judaism, living a separated and a devout life as a Pharisee. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. I was without a peer. Furthermore, I was a fiery defender of the truth. I persecuted the Messianic believers with religious zeal. Yet all of these accomplishments that I once took credit for and built my identity on, I have now forsaken them and I regard them as nothing compared to the delight 
of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now, says Paul, so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embracing him as the Lord in all his greatness. Not relying, not relying on Jesus is the recipe for constipation. Spiritual constipation. In all that we do, we must look back to the cross and the accomplishments and the things that happened there and live through that hermeneutic filter, looking back at life through that reality so that we do not eat garbage, garbage in, garbage out for sure, and so that when we, when, so that we are always, in view of the cross, getting rid of those things that spiritually constipate us. True. The titanic mentality that every, everything's fine is, is super dangerous. Hence, hence the prophets. Hence God warning us through prophets, right? And as a result, to this day, the, the largest part of the church is still persecuted. In about three minutes, we're going to take a moment of silence for Remembrance Day, for veterans. I don't know if this is good or bad, I don't know, but in that time, let's also think about the persecuted church of Jesus Christ and the price they've paid and the privilege that we have to be together like this and to remember those that have gone and paid their lives in wars. I won't say any more. I don't want to... Deuteronomy 30, the offer of life and death is now before us. Now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask for it. Who will ascend into the heaven to get it and to proclaim to us the way that we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you have to ask who will cross the oceans to get it and to proclaim it to us that we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. So you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. And I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk obediently to him and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. And then you will live in increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But in your hearts turn away and you are not obedient. And if you are drawn away... And bow down to other gods and worship them. I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan and entering to possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Please now, today, choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God and listen to his voice and hold fast to him. It is almost 11 o'clock. I don't know how to do this. Let's just stand together for a minute and have a moment of silence.
Thank you. You may be seated. Then come, please. So, um, Yaku has been saying that God is saying to us that uh, he's wanting to so graciously and so lovingly give us a way that we can get rid of some of the things in our lives that we know are not healthy for us. And uh, we're talking spiritually, right? And um, if we look at what Yaku was saying about the time of Nehemiah and the temple, the temple having those different gates, um, it's the same temple that when Christ offered himself as a sacrifice for us so we could actually enter into his presence, um, it says there that he did it outside the temple, right? The reason for that is because flesh cannot enter the temple, right? Um, also, if you look in the Old Testament, um, when a bull was sacrificed, so the, the Israelites used to sacrifice a bull to ask God to purify them. So what happened with this bull? It was slaughtered, and they took the fat to put on the altar. And the fat uh, represented the abundance, right? But what was left behind was the bowel, the intestines. It was the flesh of the animal because it said it, it couldn't come into the presence of God. And so what God wants to give all of us is the most amazing invitation today is a means to, to open the dung gate, as it were, in our lives. And so a practical way uh, we can do that, if you see behind the pews, uh, there's little books and there's pens, if you don't have a, some paper and pen. And I want to, uh, like God said, invite you to choose life. And if you are so bold as to um, write on that piece of paper, fold it up, and then we've got a fire pit here. You can put it in that fire pit. In other words, this is between you and God. It's literally between you and God. And, um, and, then, and then we're going to come and we're going to leave, as it were, excuse me saying this, our dung there. And uh, we're going to, if you'd like to come and worship, come and kneel before him, come to him. I, some of you uh, might not even know this Jesus we're talking about. Like what Yoko said, you might be a Martin, right? Like the guy at the, I don't hear God speak to me. I remember saying that. I thought, Christians are crazy. I don't, I don't hear this stuff, you know. And uh, why don't you write him a letter and tell him, if you want, that you want to speak to him and you want him to speak to you. And you want to know what this thing of another world is. Why don't you tell him and start, start a journey with him. So take a minute, take some paper, take a pen. And uh, just be bold and bring it here. I'm, I'm going to bring mine. Yes? 